Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. As part of our Growing Deep message series, we've been looking at this idea for the past several weeks that we are a kingdom of priests. And this idea started in the Hebrew scriptures. It's not a uniquely New Testament idea. Uh, when the Israelites were at the base of Mount Sinai, uh, God called them or gave them the specific calling or idea uh, that they would be a unique people, not just uniquely religious people, but that they would be unique in their mission and their purpose. And uh, so they, they really were called to be a blessing, and that's seen throughout uh, the Old Testament. We see where they were called to be a unique people by God, not to just show off how God's favor was upon them, but to actually be a blessing to other nations. And so this idea, though, did continue into the New Testament. Uh, New Testament teachings identify that in Jesus Christ, God fulfilled the promises that he, would, uh, ha that he had made to all of mankind. And so Jesus Christ, through his uh, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, that he was the fulfillment of God's promises to bless the nations. And so in our calling as disciples and followers of Jesus, uh, this idea of priesthood has opened up to us. For all who put their faith in Jesus Christ, we're called to be this kingdom of priests. We see this explicitly in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter's talking to the church, both Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews, and he writes this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, what exactly does a priest do? Well, we've talked about that as well. It highlighted two main things, two primary roles of a priest. One is to spend time with God, to be with him, to know him. And the way that we know him is through our time with him. And so there's time in prayer, there's time in, in the scriptures, uh, time understanding how he's revealed himself through creation itself. And so that's the first role of a priest is to spend time with God. The secondly, is to represent him to the world around you. And so that's the other thing a priest does after and out of that time with God is then to go into your world, my world, the people around us, and to represent who God is to the world around us. So if we were to say it another way in terms of disciples and, and just to say what is our role as followers of Jesus, it is to know Jesus and secondly, to make him known and be disciple makers to the world around us. Well, I'm excited to bring today's message because it's the final message in this series of Kingdom of Priests, but it's also the final message in this long eight-month series of messages, groupings of messages, around growing deep in discipleship. And it's fitting that after eight months of focusing on discipleship and what does that look like, how do we live out our walk with Jesus before the world around us, it's fitting that it concludes on this day, Pentecost Sunday. That's right, May 31st, 2020, it's Pentecost Sunday, and this day has different meanings or different expressions for different people. Uh, for some, it's a reference point from when the Holy Spirit came down on believers. Uh, 
It also marks the point when believers were empowered to be supernatural witnesses for God. Uh, it's also when the church was essentially birthed and the ministry became public from those initial apostles. And uh, so all of those things, those are all true statements about the importance of this day, Pentecost Sunday. But I want to point our attention to the significance of our discipleship mission and how this day brings clarity about who and what is our mission as disciples. In other words, who it is that we're going to and what it is we're supposed to be doing as disciples. So I'm going to lead in with this statement. Pentecost Sunday launches you and I into continuing the ministry of Jesus with the expectation that we can see the results that Jesus saw. Let me say that again because it's a pretty big statement and it's a sense of obligation that we might feel. And uh, I want to be clear about what I believe Pentecost Sunday allows us and calls us into. Pentecost Sunday launches you and I into continuing the ministry of Jesus with the expectation that we can see those same results that Jesus saw in his ministry. So with that bold, big statement, uh, let me open us in a word of prayer and then we'll look at the scriptures as to how this comes about. Lord, we are delighted that you call us. We are thankful that you empower us. And Lord, we're also motivated in this moment to live out that calling and to be empowered by you to fulfill our role as priests in your kingdom. And so we invite you, Lord, to be ever present with us as we fulfill your ministry today, tomorrow, and in the weeks, months, and years to come. To where you call us, you empower us, and so, Lord, we invite you, we're thankful to you uh, for your work in our life, and we say, come Holy Spirit, just as you did on Pentecost so many years ago, come today and renew us and empower us for the ministry that we are called to do and live out. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I said just a minute ago that we are continuing the ministry uh, that Jesus began. So let's begin with what that ministry is. It's important for us to understand or narrow our focus to what exactly is Jesus's ministry and what is it that we're continuing. Luke chapter 4 verse 16, uh, starting in verse 16, tells us about this ministry that Jesus uh, brought about. This is Jesus early on in his public ministry. Uh, he's in his hometown of Nazareth. He's coming into the synagogue, and it's his time to read from the scriptures. And so here's what it says, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this is what I would call, so many would call, a church mic drop moment. 
If there was ever a mic drop moment in a church or a synagogue, this was it. Here it is, it's Jesus's time to read from the scriptures. They hand him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He goes, he's not given this specific passage, but Jesus goes to this passage that's Isaiah 61. I encourage you to go back and read from Isaiah 61 when you have a moment. And he reads all these things that the Messiah is going to usher in when he comes. He rolls up the scroll, he hands it back to the attendant, says all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. He hasn't said anything else after reading it. Rolls it up, hands it to the attendant, makes his way back to his seat, sits down, and he simply says this. All these things are beginning to happen in your hearing today. It's just, I imagine you just could have heard a pin drop in that moment. Just the silence and the tension that's built up. And then Jesus saying, this is what's taking place now. But here's what's interesting. What's happening now? What is it that they would have understood? What was it that he was highlighting? Singular acts of justice, uh, singular acts of healing or freedom, just moments or glimpses of the kingdom to come? No, I, I, I wanna highlight, I wanna point you in the direction that in this passage, in this portion are these words, the year of the Lord's favor. This is part of what Jesus read as he's speaking to the synagogue on that day, the year of the Lord's favor. This idea carries with it the year of Jubilee. You see, in the life of Jewish people, there were these rhythms, and we're familiar with the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week that we rest. We work six days, we rest on the seventh. But this was a continual pattern for the Jews. Uh, this was handed to them at Mount Sinai, the way in which they were supposed to live their lives, seven days and on the seventh day you rest. It's a, a moment where they, they celebrate God, they're close to God, and it's a, a moment of freedom from their labor. They delight in what God has done. But there was also these patterns of on the seventh year. And so there was a unique type of Sabbath or rest that came on the seventh year. It was uh, kind of like a, a super year. The Sabbath was highlighted throughout that year. Unique things happened in the land and celebrations on that seventh year as well. Well, in addition to that, when we get to this, the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, we're talking about seven sevens. So in other words, seven times seven years or 49 years, which you get to the 50th year, which was the year of Jubilee. So in a sense, this was a super Sabbath. This was where all kinds of things that were supposed to happen. Uh, wonderful, amazing things. Slaves were set free, debts were forgiven, lands were returned to their original owners. In a sense, it was this great reset to the whole land, to the whole structure of the Jewish community that whatever had been bound up, whatever had been enslaved, whatever had been committed or turned over to somebody else as a debt, it was all forgiven and the land was reset, debts were forgiven, and it was a great year of release. It's a huge do-over. If you had made a mistake, you would be looking forward to this year of Jubilee or your family would be so that this do-over, this reset could happen and it would be a restart. Well, Here's, here's the thing, it sounds incredible, but from all that we can tell and read, it never came about. It was never realized. 
And if it ever was, we don't have a good recording of it and we don't really see it consistently in any shape or form happening in the Hebrew culture. And so this idea of ensuring equality and justice for the people, it's it's this thing that was nebulous and never really came about. It isn't the year of Jubilee that we can see. It's a promise or a hope that never gets realized until until Jesus, until Jesus comes to his hometown of Nazareth, opens up the scroll from the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him, and he reads from this passage in Isaiah 61. This obscure place, not Jerusalem, Nazareth, he opens it up and he talks about these great things that are supposed to happen in the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. He hands the scroll back, he sits down, and in that quiet moment, he says, this is being fulfilled in your hearing. This is the ministry of Jesus. Can I tell you, this is why Jesus came, to bring and usher in a jubilee from every person who would hear the message of the kingdom of God. Debts forgiven, slaves set free, uh, the, the sight returned to the blind, all of these things that were supposed to be experienced on a regular cycle and there was always an anticipation but never realized all of a sudden in Jesus, they realize it. And that's exactly what we see in his ministry. You fast forward, Jesus's ministry has been powerful and there's every reason to expect that he is bringing the kingdom of God, that he is bringing the day of the Lord, the year of Jubilee to those around him. It comes towards the end of his ministry and Jesus is crucified, he's buried, he resurrects, he overcomes death, hell, and the grave and resurrects on the third day. He appears to the disciples to affirm his power over the grave. But it's not over. It's not over because he tells them to wait. He tells them that he's going to go to the Father, ascend to the Father, and they need to wait because the Father is going to send to them the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 tells us about this and his instructions to the disciples. Acts 1, 1 through 5. In the first book, uh, the author is Luke, the book of Acts. And so that's why he's saying, he begins by saying in the first book, because he wrote the gospel or the the recording uh, of the gospel of Luke. And so uh, he begins by saying, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this is Acts chapter 1. Luke is saying, here's all the things that Jesus did that I recorded in the book of Luke. And now here I am in the book of Acts recording what he's now continuing to do. And he starts off with this retelling of what Jesus told the disciples to do. Wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, let me highlight a couple things out of this first little section in Luke chapter 1 because 
this is important that we understand that what was recorded in the Gospels is the beginning of what Jesus started to do and to teach. It's the beginning, and Luke makes that clear here in Acts chapter 1. And the reason that he's recording the book of Acts isn't because he's going to tell the story of the church, isn't because he's going to record the acts of the apostles, he's recording the acts of Jesus Christ through his church. It's the ministry that Jesus is going to continue to do through those whom he empowers. And so here we get to see this. Jesus is not dead and done. No, Jesus is continuing his ministry through his called servants. And he tells them to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit that the Father is going to bring to you. He instructs the disciples, wait, wait, wait. So in Acts chapter 2, we see disciples who are waiting, praying, seeking God, not going out in their own strength, but waiting for the Holy Spirit to come to them. They're gathered together. They're waiting in prayer. How is the Holy Spirit going to come? What is this going to look like? And all of a sudden, Jerusalem starts to get busy again. In Jesus' crucifixion and, and uh, his resurrection, it's right around the Passover, so it was bustling. It was a, a high peak of activity around Jerusalem because of the Passover holiday. And now we fast forward, and as the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit as Jesus instructed them, it's starting to get busy again. Why? Because it's just about time for the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks was another group of sevens. It was seven weeks after the Passover. It was, that's why it's called the Feast of Weeks, is because it's seven sevens, seven weeks, uh, after the Passover occurs. And so Jerusalem's getting busy with people coming in for this celebration, this Feast of Weeks. In the Greek, the, the Greek word for this celebration is Pentecost, or the 50th day. Penta, 50, 50th day. So that's where we get the word Pentecost. Are you making a connection? The 50 is a year of Jubilee. 57 times seven years gets us to 49. The 50th year, a year of Jubilee. Seven times seven weeks brings us to the, uh, the 49 week, uh, 49th day after uh, the day of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we come to this time, Pentecost, the 50th. It's another jubilee. It's another time where we're experiencing the release of God. And what happens? The Holy Spirit descends on the disciples. It says tongues of fire comes upon them and the sound of a rushing wind comes. Acts chapter 2 tells us what it, we were supposed to look for, what the disciples were anticipating at this time. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Are you seeing this connection? Jesus comes and his ministry is bringing the reality of a jubilee. Debts are forgiven. People are set free. 
sight is given to the blind, the oppressed, the, the chains are broken over those who are oppressed. And so instead of just picking any day for the disciples to go out and begin to continue his ministry, he tells them, wait, wait, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit and he will come upon you and you'll begin to do my ministry. You'll begin to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so they wait for another 50th, another Jubilee to come to them. And here it is, Pentecost. Jesus ascends to heaven, the disciples wait, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they begin to continue his work. It's not a new work, it's not a new mission. They are continuing that same jubilee celebration that Jesus ushered in through the kingdom of God. It's the good news, it's the great news of Jesus Christ. Your debts are set free. The captive's chains are broken off. The sight is given to the blind. Healing comes to those who are crippled and broken, emotionally, physically, mentally. Healing comes through Christ. And we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that it is truly a jubilee for those who would receive the kingdom. Well, here's, as I close out this message, here's what I wanna invite you to. Uh, the first thing is, as a follower of Jesus, you get to experience the jubilee of Jesus. You get to experience all that he came to do and to bring to your life. That he is proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor into your life. Good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to experience the Lord's favor. And I pray that as you accept Jesus Christ and you live in the fullness of the jubilee that he has provided for you, that you would truly experience his redemptive work and you would know that's his mission for your life is to bring freedom and to bring the year of the Lord's favor to you, not just this year, not just on the 50th year, but every year of your life. The second I want you to know is that as you're a disciple maker, as you are a follower of Jesus and a disciple maker for Jesus, that disciples, the disciples of Jesus Christ, they continue to do the works of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, that you don't have a separate mission. I don't have a different mission than what Jesus had. We get to carry out this jubilee mission of setting people free and declaring the year of the Lord's favor upon people's life. That's the good news message we have. It's, it's not that bad people can become good, it's that dead people can come alive. That's the, jo the joy, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And this is the message that you have, that you're not doing this on your own, that God has not asked you to do something that he has not empowered you for. And so I wanna encourage you as you hear this message today, that if you feel incapable or you don't feel ready to share the good news with others, I wanna encourage you, you can wait, but don't just wait for yourself to have more answers or for yourself to feel better about your ability to, to communicate. I encourage you to wait, but wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait upon the Lord and ask him for more of his Holy Spirit. Because what we see time and time again in the New Testament, all throughout the book of Acts, is that the followers of Jesus were waiting and every time they waited and they asked for God to empower them to be bold witnesses for their community, for the people that he was asking them to reach. 
as they waited, God was faithful to bring the Holy Spirit and power upon them and so that they were then capable of carrying out this Jubilee message with signs and wonders and the gospel message to set the captives free, to set the oppressed, help them break out of their chains and experience the freedom that God had purchased for them. You and I, as followers of Jesus, have a Jubilee message, but not just the message, we have an empowerer, the Holy Spirit himself, as on this day of Pentecost to come upon us, to empower us, to bring this Jubilee to everyone that we meet. I wanna pray for you, I wanna finish this message. Pray for you, pray for myself, that we would wait continually upon God and receive from him the Holy Spirit so the message would not be our own, so we wouldn't speak things out of our own accord or our own witness, but that we would speak of the same things that Jesus spoke of, the good news message that a jubilee has come. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we just recognize that we don't have our own message, we don't have our own ministry. What we have is what you've been given to us, what you have provided to us. We are carrying on your ministry. This isn't our ministry. This isn't the ministry of New Horizons or, or Andy Lovelace or any, anybody else. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ that is continuing on from generation to generation to every corner of the earth, the ministry of Jesus continues. And the way that it continues is that as we wait upon you, Lord, you empower us by your Holy Spirit you empower us supernaturally to be your witnesses to our hometown, to our county, to our region, and in fact, around the world. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to this. We commit ourselves to waiting upon you continually, not just once, but continually going back to you and saying, come Holy Spirit, empower us to be witnesses for you. Come Holy Spirit, Give us the words to speak. Come, Holy Spirit, work signs and wonders of Jesus Christ through our lives, just as you have throughout the ages. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe fire upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, as a fresh wind, powerful and strong through our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, as fresh fire, kindling a new life in us and through us to those that we bring this Jubilee message to. You are faithful to do it, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for praying with me. And I firmly believe, absolutely am convinced, that as you and I wait upon the Lord, he is faithful to send his Holy Spirit in power and empower us with the gifts that we need to reach this world generation after generation with this Jubilee message. The kingdom of God has come to set people free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God bless you as you proclaim his word and his works in your life to those around you. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506.
Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.